Let us pray. Gracious God, on this beautiful Sunday morning, we are grateful indeed for your gifts of graciousness and providence and imagination. We are grateful for the opportunities we have to share your love in the world. We are grateful for your word that claims us and challenges us. So silence in us now any voice but your own and open your word to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, beginning at the 23rd verse of the second chapter, continuing through the sixth verse of the third chapter. Let us hear God's word. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him. How to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I spent a great portion of this week in San Diego. Every year about this time, a small group of Presbyterian colleagues and friends gathers to discuss the church. Because that's what you do when you go to San Diego, you talk about the church. This group is committed to and cares deeply about the church's future. Not just its numerical decline, though we talk about that, it matters, we discuss it, but more so about the shape of our faith, the nature of our ministry, our identity as Presbyterian followers of Jesus. In the course of those days, there is lament and celebration, there is anguish, and there is hope. This time around, we focused on two things. 
we asked ourselves the question, how can we be a purple church in a deeply divided red and blue culture? That is, how can we come together in the midst of our differences and be something different other than a reflection of the divisions we experience all around us? The second question was how we find commonality in our theological core, especially in our liturgical and sacramental life, our preaching and our praying, our singing and our baptizing and our communing, commonality that will sustain us in our witness as we, all of us, and all of us together, seek to navigate this new and unfamiliar terrain. So Purple Church and Common Life, they are related, of course. Now, I get a lot of emails. I know you do, too. And sometimes in those emails, there's something called clickbait. It's a great phrase, isn't it? An email that wants to entice you enough to want to click it and open it and read it. And then once you do, once you do, you are bombarded with so many other ads and emails. An email that says three reasons why LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever. He's not, by the way. My family's from Akron, LeBron James is from Akron, but I'll take Michael Jordan every time. Or 12 reasons why the Marvel movies, you know, the Avengers and Thor and Captain America and Iron Man are, are so much better than the Star Wars movies. They're not, by the way. But don't get me started on that this morning. Or the 14 best Seinfeld episodes. Or this morning I got one, 10 great national parks. Number seven, Hot Springs National Park. Who knew? But what if you really are in love with number 11 or number 28? But anyway, you click the article and open it and are taking down a rabbit trail of electronic communications. There are, of course, church clickbait emails we get all the time. Four ways you can reach your audience better. Or 18 ways to raise more money. Why, yes, I'll click that article and open it. Why not? So in that spirit, and in the spirit of my San Diego meeting, here are three fundamental flaws in American religion. Three fundamental flaws in and with American religion. Number one, that it's about personal salvation. Number two, that religion equals rule following. Number three, the existence of denominations themselves. Now, why are these fundamental flaws? Well, I'll get to that, but first, let's spend a little bit of time traveling through this extraordinary gospel lesson from this morning, these two episodes of Jesus' ministry. Jesus and his disciples are traveling on the Sabbath, as you know, there are strict rules about religious practice and work on the Sabbath. It is a day of rest prescribed by God after creation. And yet the disciples, Jesus' followers, are hungry. And they didn't pack food with them for this trip. And because they're in a grain field, they pluck some grain from what is growing all around them. And they eat it. 
It's not so much that they were hungry that was the problem. Now, we don't know what this setup looks like, but there are Pharisees all along the way. I think Jesus always had a kind of group of religious paparazzi trailing him, tracking Jesus, waiting to catch him up. And they took issue with all that was going on in this little episode. Not that they were hungry, of course you need to eat on the Sabbath, but that they did work on the Sabbath in the form of plucking that grain, of harvesting wheat. It took work to do that. And so they say something, and Jesus then takes issue with their taking issue, talking about the priority of human need, the the spirit of Sabbath, how it trumps the letter of the law. So that's episode one. Episode two has Jesus and his followers entering the synagogue. It is Sabbath, a day of rest and worship. But there in that synagogue environment, my hunch always is in a corner somewhere where he's out of the way, out of people's minds and attentions. There is a man with a withered hand. Clearly, this is a setup for Jesus, a test, and the Pharisees are waiting to entrap him. What will he do? Because they know that while everybody else ignores this man, Jesus will not. Jesus cannot. So they're testing him. But he tests them first. He asks them a question. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? To heal this man or to let his wound, his illness, his condition, his circumstance prevail? They are silent. He shuts them down and he shuts them up. Then he kind of looks at them. I would have loved to have been there. He looks at them, the Bible tells us, Mark tells us, he looks at them with anger and then with grief in his heart, at their hearts. And he calls the man over, and he heals him. The man stretches out his hand. It is withered no more. Further sealing Jesus' fate, by the way, as the conspiracy against him will continue leading to Good Friday itself. Why are these three fundamental flaws in American religion? And how might we understand them through the lens of this account? Well, in American religion, faith is often equated with personal salvation. But Jesus will have none of it. Jesus first meets the needs of his immediate community, his hungry followers. He provides for them. And then even on the Sabbath, even at great risk, he sees a man in need, a greater human need than the Sabbath requirement, and he heals him. Faith is about community. It is about the whole people of God. Now, yes, you need your connection with God and Jesus. I need my connection with God and Jesus, whatever our spiritualities might be. But it never stops with you. And our American flaw is to think, Jesus and me, that once my heavenly ticket is punched, we are good to go. So why is rule following an American flaw? Well, it's really easy to be anti-Jewish here. 
to say how enlightened we Christians are to have moved beyond the restrictions of Sabbath legalism, but not so fast. First, the point of Sabbath, the principle of Sabbath, is not that God needed to rest, but that we do. We humans do. Whether we're farmers in the field or workers in an office or families that need to take a deep Sabbath breath, we need rest. That's the point, the principle behind the commandment. And on top of all that, the Christian church has done a pretty good job of hatching its own forms of legalism, of establishing rules and then welcoming people in or keeping them out because of those rules. In earlier eras, in my parents' childhoods, in fact, you couldn't play cards or dance or or even watch a baseball game on a Sunday. Now we're a different form of legalism in our faith, who's welcome or not, based on your skin color, based on who you love, who is ordained or not, what we raise our eyebrows at, what we let pass. We're spending time and energy crafting complex and convoluted theological arguments to sort out the wheat and the chaff. So Jesus honors the spirit of Sabbath, but does not let the legalism get in the way of human need, nor should we. And the third fundamental flaw, the presence of denominations in our life, labels do not matter at the end of the day, they do not matter to Jesus. Now, I study our denomination, I study denominations themselves a lot. And they make sense on many levels. Ethnic and regional origins, shared customs, how humans gather in groups. But at that deeper level, denominational division is a scandal, a scandal to the body of Christ. Because today we experience, and time after time we experience, Jesus talking to whoever is in front of him, healing whoever presents themselves, taking seriously all and any who are seeking and hurting regardless of creed or country or credential. Now during the week, I have a seven minute drive to get here from house to church on a Sunday morning with the lights acting favorably. I can get here in four or five minutes. And when I do, I pass six denominational articulations of the Christian faith. Is it a beautiful tapestry, or is it a shameful fracture? Well, perhaps it's some of each, but it's more so the second, if those divisions hinder our service and our witness to a world in need. In this year of stewardship, one way to understand our calling is through this story through our mission, through our outreach, one of our most precious gifts. The people and the programs we've just recognized, our vision, our legacy, your commitment, our shared commitment over 190 years. I believe deeply that our future will be sustainable. It might even be faithful as people of God, as followers of Jesus, as Third Presbyterian Church, 
as we continue to seek ways to live this story out. And today, it comes in the reminder that religion, that faith itself, is not about self, and it's not about rules, and it's not about labels. Rather, as Jesus shows us today, as Jesus shows us continually, it is about gathering in community to break down walls, to meet real human need. That is why we reach out to serve those who are hungry and hurting in body and mind and spirit, to transform systems, to speak up and to act out, to find our voice, to feed, to heal, to say, here I am when you are called, to do good whenever and wherever the Spirit calls us. Amen.